This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I've had to basically come here because I can't afford to buy food and, um, you know, toiletries and things like that for myself and my little boy. So um, it's, it's not ideal, but if it wasn't for somewhere like this, I would be really stuck. The staff are great and literally it's a lifeline, everyone. So don't be shy. It's brilliant, it's really getting me stocked up with the cupboards and all that. Because I've been opening tins of stuff from, obviously, about four or five years ago, and I thought, ooh, that doesn't look too healthy. <laughs> Those are the voices of just some of the thousands of people dependent on the West End Food Bank in Newcastle. In the month of October, when Newcastle United fans donated more than £23,000 to the charity, while at the same time the government voted down the proposal to extend free school meals through to Easter, I spent a morning up at the food bank. With demand rising and that only set to continue to increase during the winter months, I spoke to those who staff it, but more importantly, those in who the food bank has come to serve. Just how important is the charity to them to remove that awful dilemma of either putting the heating on or putting food on the table? And what would they say to anyone yet to reach out for help? This is NUFC Fans Food Bank a united front. It's a Thursday morning in the middle of October and it's just gone 9.30. I'm standing outside the Venerable Bede Church in the West End of Newcastle. Now, anyone who knows the West Road within the city will know this is a busy high street. Lots of shops, plenty of people mulling around and as you might be able to hear a fair bit of traffic too and right in the heart of this community is the West End Food Bank providing food parcels to those in need now the doors to the food bank don't open for another 30 minutes yet but already the queue is snaking around the corner thankfully it is a dry morning and the sun is out but it's still bitterly cold and I can't help but think what it must be like to stand here in the pouring rain now inside the church there was a flurry of activity from staff and volunteers of the food bank who are making up the food parcels for every sort of scenario. Whether that be someone on their own, in a couple, a single parent or a family big or small, each need is catered to. And that is something which strikes you straight away. Poverty does not discriminate. Looking at the queue in front of me, there are different genders, different races and ultimately different stories to why these people are here today. But the reasons are the same. They need the food bank to make sure that they and their family don't go hungry. Now, in the week that Newcastle United fans raised more than £23,000, I'm here to find out how that money is spent. Speaking to those entrusted to make sure every penny goes where it should. And more importantly, to those who depend on the service. And that's where we'll start with that fantastic amount donated to the charity. So normally when people donate online to the food bank, that would um, that email would come, in, come into my entry and I always try and just check in and give a little personal word of thanks. My name's John McCurry and I'm Chief Executive with Newcastle West End Food Bank. 
Over the uh, volume of emails that come in, um, I just was absolutely amazed. There was absolutely no chance that I was going to be able to look at each single individual donation. There were just so many. Um, it was overwhelming and it really did, you know. Um, it, it, it was great to my heart to see that so many people cared so much, um, not just about the campaign, but about what it was, uh, where, where their donations were going to go. So thank you um, so much to everybody who took the time to do that. You've seen some amazing acts of generosity over your time at the food bank. Where does this rank? Um, being part of the NUFC fans food bank and the wider fans support um, for the club is amazing. When we go to match days, um, there's a real sense of community spirit. And Christmas is always the big time. And that is when we get the wow factor about being part of this city. Um, this campaign, uh, in many ways, replicates that now and, and surpasses it because we can't do those collections anymore. But this just lets us know that people are out there still wishing us well and, and, and behind us and supporting us. Did it bring a little tear to your eye when you, when you saw the emails coming in? <laughs> you know what? The beautiful thing about this job is the humanity that you see others bring to it. So, yeah, it's always, it's always touching, heart-touching when you see that happen. Thinner, never give us one of those. <laughs> Bill Coker, volunteer Newcastle United Fans Food Bank. I'm still staggered by the 5,000 we originally had and the 23,000. It just confirms everything I've said about the people of the Northeast, their generosity, their spirit, and the community, and how much they care. I don't think anything is more important than feeding children in this society. And um, I think the community-heartedness of the football fans of this of this this region actually because it isn't just Newcastle fans it's all football fans it's all people who are unifying about this it just makes me very very humble to be involved in, in a small way I wish we didn't have the biggest food bank in the country in our city having a food bank is an obscenity and it shouldn't be allowed and tolerated by any civilized country and government but the fact that we've had to have it and we've unified and actually we're dealing with it is, a, is another great tribute to the, to the magnificent history and people of, of, this, of, this, of, a, of the greatest and most civilised city on earth, that is Newcastle on Tyne. Anybody comes at me with that, I can prove that. This proves it as well. While £23,000 of course is a huge sum of money, it doesn't go as far as you might think. Across the five pickup points that the charity has within Newcastle, on average they'll see 1,000 people every single month at a cost of £30,000. The sad reality is, is that the money received will only give the food bank breathing space for a few extra weeks. Now, of course, this is all still a huge boost to the charity, but without a match day collection, heightened fears over job security, public donations down, and all this with the country on the verge of a second wave of coronavirus and Christmas on the horizon, the need for the food bank is only going to increase, and that'll be on top of the staggering numbers already seen this year. Demand is always scary. My name is Carol Rowland. I am the uh, Pathways Welfare and Volunteer Manager at Newcastle West End Food Bank. I'll give you a, a statistic, frankly, that when I read it, I, I said to Gemma, who I work with, we're gonna have to check those figures because I don't think that can possibly be right. But if I say to you that um, literally from April the 1st, 2019 uh, to the 31st of March, 2020, 
we saw 33,000 people. Now, that in itself is a phenomenal figure. So bear that in mind. The full year just gone, we saw 33,000 people in total. This year, from April the 1st, 2020, to September, we saw 27,000 people. That's the comparison. I think if we were anywhere else in the world, we'd be frightened people, but because we're in the northeast and especially Newcastle, we don't fear anything because frankly, the community and local businesses always come, they always come up trumps for us. Um, they've never failed us yet. But yeah, it is, you know, we, we see, as you know, thousands of people every single solitary month. And the fear is that you run out of food. Um, it's never happened because we always put out a request and we always get that request fulfilled. £23,000 of course goes a very, very long way, but you can imagine, you know, giving everybody a parcel that has got to essentially last them three or four days, um, it, it, it costs money. So I've got carrots, I've got uh, potatoes, so like say, and so, some fruit, which I don't really eat fruit very much, and I've been eating a lot of that, like you say, and then toiletries. <laughs> well wrapped, whatever it is. So you've got, yeah, you've got kind of rice crackers, rice, oh, rice, uh, rice. apple juice. So it, did you think when you first came that like, you would be getting what's in here? Because it's good quality stuff as well. Oh, it is. Like you say, definitely the one I look at. No, man, hell, like I say, it's, like, you would have thought it would have been rubbish game, like, but it's not. It really is good stuff. Like. My name's Eric. It's brilliant. It's really getting me stocked up with the cupboards and all that. Because I've been opening tins of stuff from, obviously, about four or five years ago. And I thought, ooh, that doesn't look too healthy. <laughs> You know, you think so. You know, things shouldn't be like this, you know. I have a universal credit. I thought that stopped in August because I wasn't getting any payment at all. What it was, they stopped paying it in the original account and they paid it in another account. And I had to go across to the Abbey to find out what it was. And they're going to tell the money's in this account. Because, well, this account has been open since my mum died over two years ago. And they goes, oh, your money's in there. And I just don't know what happened. I was just getting so short of money. And I was getting really, really worried, like, you know. But it's sorted out now. Like, I'm getting it sorted out there a couple of weeks ago. And it's just great with the food and all that, like, you know. Was it a big step for you to take advantage of what's on offer here? Was it, was yes, it to it, your pride, maybe? It was embarrassing. It was like, where, where am I going from here? Like, you say, it's like, why do I have to do this, like, you know? When you walked in, was your expectation different to what you had in your mind? Yes, yes it was. I was a bit nervous, but as soon as the lass is at the front door, you've got to keep it social distance with right? And they're going, what you need, Eric? And then the carrot, it's just, come on in, get yourself in there, sit down. And it's, it's a pleasure to do it, like, you know. When I got up this morning, it was the first thing I thought, I guess, it's something to do with the day, it's something to get out for, like. What would be your message to those who need this and are yet to maybe accept the help that's there? Just go for it, like you say, you're more than welcome in this place. When you come in, the they're so friendly, you just, as soon as you step through that door, you just, you're like, like, you're like butter in the hands, like, you know, they're just, that really are good, like, you know. Eric's story is just one of thousands of heartbreaking tales, which if you're in a relative position of comfort in your life, might make you humbled and think twice as I did about the everyday items and choices that maybe we take for granted. I'm thinking about when we go to the supermarket. Many of us can afford to be picky with the sell-by dates, choosing what we fancy above the cost of it. Whereas Eric, as you heard, was weighing up the decision 
I've opened up tins of food that had gone out of date four or five years ago just to avoid hunger. That is the choice no one should have to make. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Are you alright today? Hi. Good lad. Have you got a number for me or have you got a voucher? I've got a voucher. That's brilliant. Alright then. Just take your time, there's no rush. I'm going to meet my girlfriend at 12 o'clock. Well, you'll need some flowers for her, will you? You turn that round for me so I can aye, aye, just aye. upside down. Thanks, treasure. Right, come on, I'm going to let you choose. What do you fancy? Why do you pick those? <laughs> but no, I'm not, you know. I would have picked those. Do you know if, it, if you have to see my house, uh, yeah, I think she'll like them just as You take those for me. Come on, sit yourself down. Normally I hand them to them. Yeah. Normally I just pick a bunch and I hand them. But because it was for his girlfriend, I thought, well, you choose them. Because, you know, people here don't have choice. That's the one thing poverty takes away from you, Andrew. Poverty. People say to me, what is the difference? Well, the difference about having money and not having money is choice. If you've got money, you've got choice. You've got choice in many, many things. People here don't have choice. Another thing that stood out from Eric was the message to people in a similar position to him. He said at the beginning he was embarrassed, he was nervous, he was ashamed at saying, I need help, I need help to put food on the table. After coming, his message is now, just do it. Reach out, admit you need help, and come down to the food bank, speak to the people, get these food parcels to make sure you don't go hungry. And that's a message that resonates with the next lady, a single mom from Newcastle. My name's Kate. I'm a single parent with a six-year-old. He's tiny, but he likes to eat. And I don't like to say no, because I don't want to have to say no to him. I shouldn't have to say no to him. I can live off whatever, but I just don't want him to be the one that misses out. It's not his fault, you know what I mean? He didn't ask for this. None of us asked for this. You know, Mammy's always worked and Mammy's always provided for him. And now, because of this, I can't at the minute. You know, I don't want to have a, like, a lavish lifestyle, but I want him to have a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I want him to be able to have like sort of, you know, fresh fruit, vegetables, um, things like that. And, you know, you, it, just even down to, you know, like toilet rolls and things like that, you know, it's just for myself personally at the moment, I've got so little disposable income. I just can't make ends meet. I can it. Luckily for me, there are places like this where you can come and I really would be stuck if I didn't have somewhere like this to be able to come to. I was due to start working for a new employer on the 6th of April, but due to COVID, I haven't actually started work. So I'm on universal credit. I've got a mortgage. My mortgage holiday has come to an end. So basically I'm having to pay £477 out of a £614 payment. So I don't have any money to live off. Um, I've never been in this situation before in my life. I've had to basically come here because I can't afford to buy food and, um, you know, toiletries and things like that for myself and my little boys. At this point in our chat, Carol, who we heard from earlier, comes up with Kate's food parcels and puts them down beside us. Carol tells Kate that she's welcome at the food bank for as long as it takes her to get back onto her feet. It's like Christmas. <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, I can already see, you know, there's like things for my little boy and... Um... Nice touches as well, like you've got the flowers, like oh, you've got the Halloween. Thank you. Uh, well, you've got the flowers there in your package and in a, in a wrapped up present as well. Oh. What, what do them little touches mean to you on top of the, the food that you get? It just the... makes you feel like, I don't know, uh, like 
like happy and, and kind of like special, you know. Um, it's been a long time since I've had flowers. <laughs> so um, that's really lovely. I mean, that again, that, you know, you would never expect that. That's a really lovely, beautiful touch. I mean, I'm 42 years of age and I've never had to do this before in my life. And um, it's not something um, I'm necessarily proud of. But in the same light, if it wasn't for somewhere like this, I really would be stuck. Um, so I think, you know, if, if you are struggling and you are, you know, in a situ similar situation to myself, I think you just need to swallow your pride and accept the fact that we're in a really bad time at the moment. We're going through a pandemic and... If, if you can get help from anywhere, then take it. There's no reason to feel embarrassed. There's no reason to feel ashamed. Um, you know, the people that, especially the workers who are here, just make you feel so, like, welcome and so, you know... They, they, they don't judge you, you know. There's, no, there's, there's nobody judging here at the end of the day. I mean, you know, I'm quite... Uh, half of me sort of feels that I feel a little bit guilty, if I'm honest with you, because... You know, I have got a beautiful house. I've got a lovely, you know, I, I, yes, I've got all of that. But my circumstances are because obviously I'm not at work at the moment. But there's a lot of people who probably need this a heck of a lot than, more than me at the moment. And I appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I have to think of myself and I have to think of my little boy. And really, because of him, that's why I'm here today. But if you're thinking about it and you're not sure and you think, you'd, you know, you might feel a bit embarrassed, there's nothing to be embarrassed about at all. Come up. Um, and get yourself, you know, it's what you're entitled to at the end of the day. If the government aren't going to help out, get yourself the help, you know. Um, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's my attitude now. I've got to look after number one. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so definitely come up. The motto of our food bank, if we have one, is the word dignity. We kind of nicked it from Kevin Nolan in the promotion season. And it was a time when Newcastle United weren't seen as a particularly dignified organisation. And us fans were getting a lot of grief about various things. And we thought, no, dignity is important. I'd say to Kate and all the people there, she's just done the most brave thing you can do as a mother. She's protected her children. She's subsumed her own pride. And she's got over how she feels. And she's done an incredibly brave thing for, for herself, for her family, to keep them together. Whatever she might feel now, okay, we get it. When she cooks, cooks her kids a meal and sits down with them, she'll smile and she'll stick together with her family and she'll know that the community cares about her. And that word dignity is the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you've got to go to a food bank, it, it, it only counts that you feed your kids. People are very brave. They're incredibly brave. It takes... It takes a lot to walk through that door. And no, not everybody could. Um, but they are brave to do that. And we always have to remember that. Because in walking through that door in their own mind, they're at rock bottom. What is very, very important for us to do when they walk through that door is to try and let them know everything's gonna be all right. We can't solve everything but what we can give them is dignity and respect. We will help them every week, every week. You know, some, some food bank charities have, you know, operate a three parcel in, in six months. That's their choice, but how can you dictate to somebody that that is when they're going to be hungry? 
you know, if we think that people are in genuine need and they need our help until they are back on their feet, we will give them a parcel every week until their life gets better. Why, why, why do you do this? Why do you help people out? And because you are, you are putting yourself at risk here with the COVID. You are. Yeah, yeah. and I think every everybody, whether they're staff or whether they're volunteer, has their own very personal reasons. We all have our own lives, and we've lived our own lives. And you know, I'm a great believer. And again, my old dad, who taught me very well, used to say to me, "If you can go to bed at night, and as you're cleaning your teeth, you look in the mirror." You look at yourself in the eyes and you genuinely say, I've done all right, that's what it's about. And a lot of us understand some of the things they're going through. But I go back to when, you know, people were saying, do we close, do we stay open? Where are they gonna go? What are they gonna do? I'll get philosophical now, but look at Maslow's principles. You know, you can talk about shelter and warmth and food, and it's every single solitary person's right. And when I first started as a volunteer over three years ago, every single day I used to have to go in a cupboard um, and have a weep, because I could not believe what I was seeing. I'd seen I, Daniel Blake. Ken Loach got a lot of, a lot of stick about the fact that people said he'd exaggerated. Frankly, he didn't go far enough, and I've told him that and we still see it now, you know? So I used to weep, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then as I got to know more and more things, this was 2017, and I learned about the problems of universal credit. I just got really angry, I got as mad as hell. So I went from crying to being as mad as hell. Now I'd like to think I'm more considered. You know, I get mad and I cry, but you know, not, not as often. It's about passion, and it's about this lovely city of ours and it's about caring for people, and it's about always, Andrew, thinking there, for the grace of God, go on. That is a message that Carol wanted to get out, that the stereotype that people who use the food bank are in this situation due to their own making or because of a dependency on drugs or alcohol, it's just not the case. Now, around 5% are classed as addicts, and there's a real anger from staff when people make that assumption. It could happen to you, it could happen to me, it happened to Kate and Eric. The staff here, they see teachers and engineers and a long list of people from many professions which you just never really expect to have to walk through these doors. And it goes back to what I said right at the start, that poverty does not discriminate. Now of course, none of this could happen without those who donate. From Mrs. Kendi who put 15 pounds through Bill's door, to the six year old girl who donates her pocket money every four weeks, right up to the 86-year-old lady who drops off fruit and veg from her allotment every single month. This truly is a united front. And the push which saw pay-per-view money turned into donations saw fans from all over the globe put their hands in their pocket. People like the next chap, Emil Franchi, who held a YouTube watch-along with Newcastle United fans and Manchester United fans to encourage people to donate. The idea itself came from Liam, who runs the Toon Pools Twitter accounts. Uh, that was the initial idea for the food bank donations in the first place anyway. But he said, would you like to do something? Would you like to make a, a bit of an event? Just so there was something on that fans could actually watch instead of paying the money to watch it on TV. So we set it up and um, it, it was a great success. 
you know, the, the food bank is a, a match day staple. Anyone who walks past the stand that they've got outside the Gallagher, uh, it's it's there every game. And, you know, if there's no one going to the games, then there's no one donating to that and they're not going to be there. So this was a great way and a great incentive to make sure that they were making at least some of the match day revenue. And I, I think it's one of the, the best movements that uh, I've, I've seen in all my time of supporting Newcastle. Hello, my name is Charlotte Robson. I've supported Newcastle United for my sins for all of my life, actively since I was about 11, I think. Oh my goodness, when I saw that we raised 23K for um, charity, not pay-per-view, I was just, I mean, astonished and in awe. And it made me want to cry because it's just such an amazing amount of money. Um, that's going to help so many people and it's just so wonderful to see. I'm also kind of not surprised because I think we're such a sort of generous bunch. Yes, when I saw that amount, I was just just so proud and so so happy to be part of this fan base. Oh, hi, my name's Ray Hayes. I've been a Toon fan since the age of 10. 16 hours, so that's 50 years I've been a Newcastle fan. It was a no-brainer just to donate the £15 to the West End Food Bank and try and help uh, people who are less fortunate than myself, particularly bear in mind what's going on with, with the COVID. I think that the, the food banks, God forbid, shouldn't really exist. Um, you know, well, you, can, you can tell by my voice I'm just so exasperated by the fact that we still need them. It's still a fairly rich country. And uh, these things that, that, that we still need. So um, one day, hopefully, the food banks won't exist, and uh, Mr. Corcoran and, and his pals won't won't have to do what they do. You know, do a great job, but it's an embarrassment that we still have to have them. Um, but obviously, in terms of, of my own philosophies, I just wanted to do something to help uh, people who are worse off than me. Willingly gave me fifteen pound to the food bank. Do a fantastic job. Something else that stands out about the 23,000 plus raised is the fact, and it's only an assumption, but I think it's a fair one to make, that some people who donated to the cause may not be in the most secure position themselves with furlough and the effect that the pandemic has had on job security. And yet people are still putting £15 in the pot to help those worst off. I don't know about you, but I'm just overwhelmed to see that community spirit, that community effort, everyone pulling together in a time of need. What is the view of those who have benefited from this weekend of fundraising? What do they think of what Newcastle United fans have achieved? Well, I'm not a football fan, but I will be one now. <laughs> I really will, like I say, if that's, the, it's, that's attitude towards the things that you know, that was brilliant. Yes, I, I saw that and I thought that, that really, I saw that on the, um, I think I saw it on the Chronicle um, on, on, through the uh, Facebook yesterday and I just thought that was absolutely brilliant, really brilliant and I mean that's, just, but you know why should Newcastle United fans be doing it, it should be the government, um, you know I just thought that was absolutely spot on, I really did that and again that really, it really moved me because especially when from a personal point of view it's affecting someone like myself you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who it's not affecting and brilliant, great, you know, good on it but for people like me I just thought that was really really good and I thought that was a lovely touch you know so um, yeah but that's Newcastle United fans for you you know so they're good ones sometimes you get donations of a couple of pound online or uh, five pound and other times you get you know 20 25 pound donations and 
you know, that couple of, you know, pound is equally valued because you know that somebody really maybe doesn't have a lot of money and they're digging deep and helping out their neighbours. And one of the things I find beautiful about um, Newcastle is the sense of one city and looking after your neighbours. So really appreciate that people are finding hard times and we just are so grateful for their support. The doors closed after three hours and in that morning, the food bank served 229 people, 92 of which were children. That number is staggering. 92 children were cared for on the morning I went down to the food bank. 92 children. They had to go with their parents, their guardians, their elders, just to ensure that they had food. That shouldn't have to happen. And in the month that the government wrote down the motion to extend free school meals and Marcus Rashford had to lead a campaign to ensure no kid goes hungry. It really does hit home the importance of the West End Food Bank and other food banks across the region, across the country, which make sure no child goes hungry. But we shouldn't have to do this, should we? In a moment, we'll relay the key message of this podcast. Above the thanks and gratitude of the staff and volunteers and those who use it, the key message is that if you're listening to this, and you're thinking about reaching out, but you just haven't done so yet, and you're maybe feeling ashamed or embarrassed about doing so, the message is you don't need to feel that way. There is no embarrassment for you simply reaching out and making sure that you don't go hungry. Now, before we do that, I just want to mention a few things that the food bank have gone through and do that maybe haven't got noticed. Like during COVID, whereas before they would let as many people into the church as possible, they now can only allow two in at any one time, which is, of course, horrible for those waiting out in the sometimes wet and cold, but it's to keep everybody safe. There's also the extra effort put into the parcels. The charity now provides gluten-free, vegetarian, dairy-free and halal packages to those who request it. They're even looking into a diabetic one as well. To me, that just shows you how far your donations go. The parcels aren't just generic. They are in a way tailor-made to your dietary or religious needs. And in turn, that sums up the community aspect of the charity and just how far the staff will go to make sure you're looked after. There's also added additions like recipe books tailored to the food packages, activity packs for the kids and puzzle books for the older clientele, which have been a godsend during isolation. It really just goes to show how community is central to all of this. I'm not going to quote Liverpool and when you walk through a storm and all of that, although I feel like singing it, to be honest, but it is genuinely that, because when you come through this door, you will be greeted by people who understand. In my life, I've had a lot of money and I've had nothing. And whilst I haven't experienced everything that the people here have, there's an awful lot of us as volunteers and staff who have been where they are and we just understand you know it's not about sympathy sometimes it is about empathy but the point is more than anything it's about having a smile on your face and sometimes a mask takes that away but you can smile with your eyes and you have to learn how to do that so it is hard i'm not going to say for one second walking through this door is going to be easy um but once they're here Whatever it is that is going on in their life, nine times out of ten, somebody here can help them with it. And if we can't, we'll find somebody who can. But the one thing we can give them immediately 
is three or four days of good food. Hello, my name is Kerry and I come to the West End Food Bank. Without it, um, I just I don't know where I would be, you know, um, and other people alike. Um, so, like I say, they do a really good job. Just really swallow your pride, you know, and just come up and see what what they're like, you know, I mean, I can guarantee the first time you come, you know, they'll put you at ease and stuff. You see them more than friends and stuff than you do, like, just, just people that have to give you food, you know, I mean, like I say, I mean, I come and Carol say, how are you? And I'll say, Carol, how are you? You know, and it, it's it's good. It's good to talk to people like that, you know, when you're feeling down and what have you. The staff are great and literally it's a lifeline to everyone. So, don't be shy. My old dad, who um, was a high-ranking policeman for many, many years, taught me well when I was younger, and he always said to me that anybody is capable of anything given the right set of circumstances. And I, I, I don't sit in judgment of anybody, and neither should anybody else. Anybody who's sitting in a beautifully comfortable home, you know, with a loving family around them, in a breath that can be taken away, you know, a, a, a short breath. We want to give them that dignity and, and tell them that the fans of this, of this city, the fans of this team, the fans of this region actually care about them and we think that's really important as well because we want those kids to understand that. Look, we've all had bad times in our, in our lives, in our childhood or whatever. It doesn't define you, it doesn't mark you. Um, we're, we're, we're looking at the, the fact that some of the richest young men in the city, the footballers, uh, the, the prettiest young men, are, you know, the most successful if you like, they're contributing to this as well. They're making sure that this is alive in the hearts of the people. We're talking about Alain St. Maximum, we're talking about Isaac Hayden. People who don't have to be doing this, they can go and count the Ferraris if they want to, but no, instead, they've made it known that they support the food bank. And that, I want that message to go to some seven-year-old kid in Benwell and Elzig, in Biker. The footballers care, we all care. So we all stick together, we take this as a city, we win as a team, we lose as a team. We look after each other, we take care of each other, we leave nobody behind. This has been In Everything is black and white podcast production brought to you by Chronicle Live. Interviews, narration and production by Andrew Musgrove. You can find the link to donate to the food bank by simply searching West End Food Bank Newcastle into Google.